Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through 8. Starting in verse 1, the Bible says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time of love and a time of hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Let's pray. Father, this morning I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray you would allow my words to soak right into, God, the the hearts and the souls of your people this morning, Lord. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would glide upon every single word that's spoken through your prophet this morning, Lord. I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak love and life into your people. In the matchless name of Jesus, we all say, amen. You may be seated this morning. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject of enough is enough. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him enough is enough. I'll tell them like you mean it. Say, enough is enough. Say, I've been through enough stuff and it stops today. Say, I've been through hell, but enough is enough. Say, the enemy's played some games, but enough is enough. Enough is enough. This morning, I want to speak to you on that subject. According to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the Bible says there's a time for everything to happen. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. There's a time for peace, and there's a time for war. There's a time to, to, you know, to, to heal. There's a time to kill. There's a time for all those things. I want you to understand something, that as Christians at times, we think we're just stuck in the glory land of things. Some of us, the old saying says this, we're so heavenly bound, we're no earthly good. If we take a look at the world around us, how many would agree with me that we're living in a messed up place? Can I get some agreement here this morning? You see, some, it's all right. Some Christians, some be like, I don't know if I should clap there or not. Some Christians think, and, and I believe in grace, I believe in mercy, I believe in all that stuff, but I also believe in reality. I believe in reality, and I think in order to see things the way God sees things, we have to have both of them in our life. Because if we just see things through grace and mercy, we can look at someone who's hurting and say, oh, God's going to heal them. God's going to heal them. But how many know our belief in the healing is great, but unless we do something to put action to it, the healing might not come about. So reality says there's problems. But God has a greater reality that says that his reality supersedes the, the problems of our world, right? So when we look at it like that and we, we approach things like that, I believe in grace. I believe in mercy. I believe in seeing things through God's eyes. And we do all the time. But I also believe in reality. Jesus saw the reality of hurt people and he brought healing and brought his reality to supersede their reality. 
You see, sometimes we think as Christians and as people in the church that just because we have God on our side that everything is going to work out fine and we're never going to have to walk through anything or go through anything hard. But it's quite contrary to, to, to what the Bible says. If you read James, you say, it says, you know, um, you know be, be cheerful when you go through all these, these, these trials and tribulations. We're going to face some junk in life. We're going to have to go through some stuff in life, but it's the fight that's inside of you that's going to determine whether you come out of that or not. Because some of us feel that when we go through stuff that God's not by us. Understand, God is with you. God is with you. And when we get to the point where we say, you know what, enough's enough. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of going through this junk. I'm tired of this stuff happening. Enough is enough. We draw the line in the sand and we say, you know what, God, let's start fighting now. Let's start fighting now. How many of you, by a show of hands, would agree that God can make a difference in our world? Show of hands. If your neighbor's not raising their hand, just slap them a little bit. Get it up from. How many of you believe, by a show of hands, that God wants to make a difference in this world? So God can. Not only can he, but God wants to make a difference in our world. We've just come into agreement with that. So if God can, and if God wants to make a difference in our worlds, let me ask this question here. What are we doing to help them? Let's sink in real quick. If God can and God wants to make a difference in this world, what are we doing to help them? You see, we expect the fire to fall down from heaven and to solve every single problem. But let me tell you this. The fire fell down from heaven, came inside of you, and now God's made you agents of change to go out and affect the world. So what are you doing with what you got right now inside of you? That's the greater question. God can. God wants to change the world. He's given, us, he's given us the tools to do so. But a lot of times what we do is we just pray for the solution. We just pray, God, I pray that you would bring somebody to help that problem. Can I, can I submit this to you this morning? God doesn't want you to pray for an answer. God wants you to become the answer because the answer dwells inside of you. What are we doing to help them? You see, we've spent countless hours. Some of you guys have spent countless times coming up to these altars. We've been praying for you since Overfelt High School, maybe since the year 2000. We've been praying for you for breakthrough to happen in your life. And there's nothing wrong with prayer. But what I am saying is this, is prayer and action together, that makes results. Prayer and action together makes results. And some of us have just stopped at prayer. Well, God loves prayer. Well, I understand that, but God also loves action. Look at the book of James, chapter 2. James, chapter 2, verse 14 says this. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Let's get practical here this morning. Sometimes we hear messages and we scream and shout, hoop and holler and, and do backflips, come to the altar, shout and do all these great things. But we don't put those things into practice in our life. This morning I'm not giving you something to shout about. If you don't give me an amen, I don't care. Not preaching a sermon to get your response to me. I hope this morning the sermon hits your heart and gets you a response to make a difference in the world you live in. 
You see, we could hoop and holler. We could do all that stuff in church. But what are we doing when we leave here? How many of you guys have ever seen Willy Wonka in a Chocolate Factory? All right, great move if you haven't seen it. Not the new one. I didn't see the new one, but the, the old school one, the original one. Do you remember when I think it's the girl Violet falls into uh, the, the chocolate thing there? Right? And she eats all that chocolate, right? And she just gets humongous. Right? Just humongous, big old Violet there. And you know, that's like many of us Christians. We eat the Word of God every Sunday. Hopefully eat the word of God on a daily basis. We've prayed, we've worshiped, we got exactly what we need. And we're big Christians. Why is it that we're big? Is because we have no outlet. You have no outlet. You're not giving out what you got inside of you. God didn't bring you to this place just to fire you up, get you excited, and for you to say, I'm just glad I'm going to heaven. The only way to go to heaven is to take somebody with you. And so what I am saying is make a difference in the world that you live in. Make a change. How many of you guys live, in, live next to some neighbors that are knuckleheads? Anybody got some knucklehead neighbors? How many of you guys are the knucklehead neighbor? Any? I knew it. It's the Tongans back there. I knew it, man. I have some knucklehead neighbors. Had. I said had. They're gone now. And I say that because of this. Man, all they like to do is smoke weed. Smoke weed all the time, 24-7. I don't see how somebody could smoke so much weed. They were high all the time on weed, smoking weed. I opened my window. I had to close my windows because I was getting high, and I don't even smoke weed. I was waking up in the middle of the night hungry and didn't know why. I'm hungry, and, and, and I, I'm thinking, what's going on here? All they did was smoke weed. They smoke weed. They smoke weed. And, you know, hear them coughing up lungs in their backyard. And I'm like, man, you know what? Enough's enough. I can't take this junk anymore. I bought my house. I want to be able to open up my window and enjoy the nice cool breeze that's coming in without smelling marijuana. I know God made all the green herbs and all that stuff and people always say that but I don't feel like smelling it right now. So I talked with them and they didn't want to change. Didn't think anything was wrong. So I said okay. I was graceful the first time. So I started praying. They no longer live by me. <laughs> what I am saying is this, man. I love them. They're great people. They just got a habit. But if people aren't willing to change, we got to do something. Enough's enough. I'm tired of people looking at our relationship with God and running all over it and laughing all over it because us Christians are too timid and we got a graceful mindset to do something about it. Hear my heart here. God is love, but according to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a time and season for everything. There is a time, and I believe in grace and mercy, and if it takes me, I'll gracefully slap you if we, if we, need, to, we, if we need to do that. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, you know, my, my, my teacher used to say this, my, my eighth grade teacher said, unless, you are, unless you're a pastor, don't you be laying hands on everybody. Well, I'm ordained now, so, you know, it, it, and you got it too. I'm not talking violence. What I'm saying is this, man. We need to start getting down to business here. It's not time for the church to sit back. 
It's not time for the church just to kick back. It's not time for us just to sit here and get excited. It's not time for us just to pray here any longer. It's time for all-out war because the enemy has called out all-out war on each and every one of us. He's been messing with us way too long, not just with our Christianity. He's been messing with some of your houses. Some of you lost your jobs. Some of you ain't got no food in your cupboard. Some of you ain't got no car. You've lost everything. It's time to say enough is enough. It's not time for peace right now. It's time for war. See people who are hungry and destitute of food, naked and and, and cold and all these things. And as Christians, our heart is just, oh, I'll pray for you. Listen, it's not time just to pray for people any longer. It's time to put things into action now. What could you do to be the answer to the problems world? How can you change something in your neighborhood? Maybe somebody smokes a lot of weed in your neighborhood and they don't want to change. Begin to pray them out of there or that God would change their heart. Take action on something. Maybe you got a knucklehead husband or a knucklehead wife. You know what? Take action on that. Action's not to throw them out. Action's to love them and say, listen, there's a standard that we got to set here in life. Tired of the enemy running around, playing his game, thinking he made the rules. When the earth that we live in belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. Our daddy owns that, and because he owns it, we own it as well. And so we have to start taking ownership of the place that we live in. How many more murders need to take place, not in the world, but in your city alone? How much more violence needs to take place in your city alone before it moves you into action? How many more abductions need to take place in your city alone or in Morgan Hill area before it moves you to do something? Church, we need to say this morning, enough is enough. We're going after what God says is ours. God's not looking just for faith. You see, we all agree that God can and God wants to change the world. We have faith knowing that he wants to do that. God's not looking just for works. God's looking for faithful workers. God's looking for a combination of the two. He's looking for people that believe something could take place, and because they believe it, it moves them into action to make something happen. We are not, as children of God, we are not exempt from going through stuff. Understand the moment that you step on the field and you say, you know what, okay, enemy, enough's enough, and you draw the line, he is not going to roll over and just say, okay, man, you stepped up, everything's good. No, he brings all his friends now to come against you, but you have to know this, greater is he who's inside of you than he who's inside the world. You already win, but you got to step on the battlefields. Got to step on the battlefields. Some of us just want to stay in church and be comfortable and be happy. According to Ephesians, God gave you, us, as your pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles, and teachers, God gave us to you as a gift. For what? Not to make you clap on Sunday morning. Not to get you excited, not to get you all happy and hoop and holler to come up here in the altar and scream. God didn't give us, you, give us to you for that very reason. What did he give us to you for? To equip you for the work of what? Ministry. To equip you for ministry. What's that mean? You might not be able to get your people here. 
So why don't you take what you got here and take it to them and become the church to them? That's what God's talking about. Be Jesus wherever you go. That's taking, uh, that's, that's saying enough is enough, enemy. I'm going to go into your territory and I'm going to preach the good news and I'm going to see some things turn around. I'm going to bring some healing to the campuses of the schools. I'm going to go to work and when I see somebody down and out, I'm just going to share Jesus with them. Why? Because that's what we're doing. We're taking back what belongs to us in the first place. Looking for faithful workers. But we need to stop praying for an answer and just become one. Stop praying for an answer. God, please send somebody to help them. God, please send somebody to do something. God, please, no, God says, listen, I'm sending you. Well, God, I don't want you to, no, I'm sending you. I've given you what you need. God, bring down fire from heaven. I already did that. It's just side of you. Now go out and set something else on fire. God's sending you to go do something. Stop praying for an answer and just become one. Enough is enough. It's time to take over, not time to take sides. This is our moment right now, Christian Worship Center. How do you change a community? You get active in it. Well, Pastor, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with church. It has everything to do with church. If you can't be in the world and people can't hang around you because you're too weird as a Christian, something's wrong. Something, your very life and who you are should change the atmosphere that you're in. It shouldn't repel people. It should bring them closer to you. My daughter is playing softball last season, and I didn't go out there and wear I'm a pastor t-shirt. I didn't carry my Bible with me to practice. I was just at practice all the time, helping them out with whatever they need. But I sent an email one time to all the, the, I responded to an email, and at the bottom of my work email, it signed Pastor Nick. Well, all of a sudden, the coach is like, oh, man, I got to watch myself now because there's a pastor on the, you know, on the field now. Man, you know what? If, if they would have slipped up, I'm not going to be like, oh, my goodness, what did you say? Right? And, and, and people apologize to me all the time. Pastor, I, you know, I didn't mean to say that. Listen, it's all good. You cussed by me? That's cool. I'm not going to condemn you to hell. Right? You have a beer and you're over here and don't don't try and hide it. Be you. What I'm saying is be you. Don't change because I'm there. But what I am saying is hopefully my life will influence you enough by who I am as an individual, not by shoving the gospel down, but by my lifestyle that it would want you to change. That's how you make a difference in this world. That's how you make a difference. You, you show the love of Christ not only through your words but through your actions as well. You get involved in your community. You get involved with what's happening in your neighborhoods. If your neighborhood isn't doing too good, God's placed you there as an agent of change. Become the change. Stop praying for someone else to come in and be the answer that that neighborhood's looking for. You are the person God's chosen for this moment such as this. Pastor, I don't know the whole Bible. That's cool. I'm a pastor, and I don't even know the whole Bible. But the word that I get inside of me on a daily basis gives me the fuel to go out and help make a difference. There's places that it's illegal to say the name of Jesus, but I can act like him. It's not illegal to act like him. It's not illegal to talk like him. 
Why? Because I don't have to say the name of Jesus in order for you to understand that I'm talking about Jesus. He's changing names. He's doing all these things. God wants to do something great in your life. It's not just about faith. It's not just about works. It's about being faithful workers. Enough is enough. Get involved in this world. You'll never change anything by standing on the sidelines. Never do a change. You'll never make a change by standing on the sidelines of this world. You have to figure out, number one, what's worth fighting for? What's worth your effort? What's worth your time? If you look at your neighborhood and you just condemn them to hell anyway, guess what? You have no love and you'll make no change over there. If you look at your job and you just say, man, you know, these people are just messed up. I'm glad I'm not messed up like them. You'll never make a change happen. Jesus didn't have to identify with the people. He just knew there was something inside of him that they needed and he gave it away to them. That's what we need to do. We need to stop condemning people to hell. Start condemning people to heaven. Get them to the place where they get to understand there's an all-loving God. God, that loved them so much that he sent his son Jesus, they were worth someone's life. Start believing in your neighborhood. Start believing for change in your family. Start believing for things to turn around. The enemy's not going to roll over and just die. This is not the season to sit back and just pray. It's the season of war. 2 Samuel 23. I'm going to close here in a second. If someone could help me out on the keyboard. 2 Samuel 23, verse 11 and 12. The Bible tells a story by, the name, by a man by the name of Shammah. It says, after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines had gathered together, a, gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Let's paint the picture here real quick. You got a field of beans, lentil beans. And you have a man by the name of Shama, who starts off with a group of people, but soon looks around and everyone else has ran away because they see the enemy coming towards them. You see, there's people who aren't willing to fight for your neighborhood. There's people who aren't willing to fight for your family. There's people who aren't willing to stand beside you. They've said all these crazy things. I got your back, dog. I got you. And, you know, those people who say all that stuff never are there when you need them. They're never there. And so you look around and you're by yourself. Shama looks and he's by himself and he positions himself in the middle of a lentil bean field and he sees a troop of Philistines coming at him. And I could imagine in his mind, God, if you don't come through on this one, I'm done. The odds against me are greater than the odds for me at this moment. In reality, it looks like that. Here's this troop of people coming after Shama, but Shama understood something. God, I believe that you can come through for me. Therefore, I'm going to step out in this bean field here, and I'm not going to back down. And he positions himself. Positions himself, and he's all by himself. Sometimes it seems like the odds are against you. Sometimes it seems like your family's too far gone 
or your marriage is too far gone. Sometimes it seems like your neighborhood is just all messed up anyway. It seems like our city is all messed up anyway. But I want, to under, I want you to understand something. If there's still hope, God will come through if you just put action to your belief. And so Shama stands there in the middle of this bean field and takes on all these, these Philistines single-handedly. And guess what? The Bible says that he won. Why? Because he believed. And he put action to his belief. It's not enough just to believe that God can do something and God wants to do something. Sometimes you got to stand in the midst of what everybody else would look at as just being, just let it go, Shama. But he understood one thing. If they steal the beans, we don't eat. Stands in the bean field. He takes on a whole troop of people. Philistine people and takes him out. Let me tell you something this morning. When God told Joshua, I'll be with you like I was with Moses, that didn't exempt Joshua from having to step onto the battlefield and fight. You're going to have to fight we're going to have to fight. God didn't deliver Daniel from the lion's den. He delivered him in the lion's den. He didn't take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace. He didn't deliver them from going into it. He delivered them inside of the midst of all that fire and all that stuff. What am I telling you? Sometimes as Christians, we get that belief that because God's with me and I have the favor of God dwelling with me, that when I step into a hospital room, all of a sudden miracles are going to happen all over the place. I'll tell you something. Walk into a hospital room with the favor of God and you'll see nothing take place. But the moment that you get there and you begin to lay hands and you say, in the name of Jesus, I tell you, get up and walk. You'll see things take place because you're putting action to your belief. The moment you begin to walk your neighborhood and when you see crazy things going on, you say, nah, not in my neighborhood. God's placed me here. You'll see things begin to take place. The moment that your marriage is going crazy and you grab your wife or your husband and you just begin to plead the blood of Jesus, you'll see results. Why? Because you're putting action to your faith in God honors that. Got to fight. Got this weird mindset that everyone's going to like you just because Jesus likes you. I'm a Christian. Well, that's great, man. You're a great person. Some people hate you because Jesus dwells in you. They've already judged you and they've already got you condemned just because you got Christ dwelling inside of you. Where in the world did you read in the Bible that life was going to be simple and that everything was just going to be handed to you? I'm sorry, but things weren't handed to people. Salvation was not handed to me and you. It was done through death. There was action to his faith. 
Paul was a crazy man and he didn't back down from anybody. Why? Because he believed in what God spoke into his life. Therefore, he put action to his faith and he was beheaded for it. I'm saying, do you love God enough and believe that he can make enough change that you're willing to put your life on the line for what you're saying? Enough's enough. We don't have to have another murder, another rape. We don't need any more gang violence. We don't need any more junk happening in our city without us stepping up and doing something about it. Christian Worship Center, stop praying for an answer and just become one. Just become one. Become, the, the, become what your neighborhood's looking for. Become what your school's looking for. Let your job be different, not just because you're favorite of God, but because you put faith into action and you make a difference on purpose. Do something to affect people's lives on purpose. Because if you see someone hungry and you don't give them food, you just say a quick little prayer for them. They might be okay, but they'll still be hungry. I'm saying let's pray for them and let's feed them. So make a difference. Close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.